this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong. All right, you're on What If We've Been Wrong, and my special guest today is Dr. Carrie Grass. Dr. Carrie Grass has a PhD or a doctorate in philosophy from the Catholic University of America. She's the editor at the Catholic women's online magazine called Theology at Home. But most importantly, she's the author of this best-selling book called The Anti-Mary Exposed. It's a book that every American needs to read. Carrie, welcome on to What If We've Been Wrong? Mm Thank you so much, Terry. It's great to be here with you. Well, we're going to be digging deep into uh, why we must rescue our culture from toxic femininity. Toxic femininity, as you well know, uh, it's, it's all the rage today, and it has caused a tsunami of destruction, not just for the woman, not just for the man, but for, for God's children all across America but then this toxic femininity has spread itself around the world. And you have dug deep into the history and the why behind this. And one of the primary reasons, it's the rejection of what we call Our Lady, Our Blessed Mother, Mm -hmm. the Mother of Jesus Christ, um, who is an exemplary example of what it means to be feminine and why that contains so much power, so much strength. And that's what I want to dig in uh, today with you, Carrie. And, and, and this is a, this is a message, not just like for Catholics, it's for Protestants, but it's also for non-believers. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was a real person. She was a little Jewish teenager. And God chose this very special young lady to be the mother of Jesus Christ. But when you really dig into who she was, who she is, and what we can glean from her, she is the solution to this toxic, radical uh, feminism, which is devouring young women and families all across the world. So Carrie, oh my gosh, there's so many different places we can start. Maybe first let's start with how did, how or why did this topic interest you so much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, it really came up into my mind as this idea for an anti-Mary when I was writing the, my book called The Marian Option, which which looks at how Our Lady has been involved throughout history for the last roughly 2,000 years and, and interceding for us. and. Um, miracles and all all kinds of ways that she's been involved in history. But when I was researching that book, I was really struck because, you know, she's been called the most powerful woman in the world. You know, her likeness, nothing compares to the amount of images of Our Lady or statues, churches dedicated to her. Um, And even in, you know, 2015, National Geographic called her the most powerful woman in the world. And I was looking at her and, you know, all of her attributes and, and virtues, and I was contrasting that with 
the elite women of our own culture. And, you know, these were diametrically opposed. I mean, there's just this deep divide between who the elite women of our culture are and who our lady is. And that was what I was really intrigued by, because it seemed like not only are these people, these women not like our lady, but they're, they're, they're the exact opposite of who she is in terms of just the va- value that is placed upon family and children and husbands and um, all those remarkable gifts that we've been given through the through the faith and um, certainly through Our Lady. So uh, that was really kind of where it started, and and I was struck by the idea too that you know throughout history you have kind of Adam and Eve. There's always a male female complement, and of course. Jesus and Mary are considered the the new Adam and the new Eve. And I just looked at this idea of an antichrist and I thought, there's no female compliment. And yet we have some pretty clear examples. And I, I don't mean this in terms of one person, you know, um, the way that, that Revelation talks about the antichrist, but more the way St. John talks about it in, in one of his letters, um, this idea of an antichrist spirit that has been with us since the early church. And I think this is what has happened is we have this anti-Marian spirit that's really infected the culture. And, um, you know, the more that I dug into this, the more overwhelming that the evidence is. And in fact, it's, it's funny now that people read my book, they, they, they say, you know, I just can't unsee it. You know, the anti-Mary is just literally everywhere right. um, in, in our culture. Well, let, let me ask you this, or it's, it's more of a, a, a comment. First off, to my listeners, mm-hmm. to our listeners, uh, I, I just want clarity because a lot of people think, oh, those Catholics, they worship Mary and they worship statues. Right. Can you please, because I don't want anybody to right. cut this off thinking, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking some kind of Catholic right. doctrine here and, you know, people just worship statues. Right. Explain this to our listeners sure. that Catholics do not worship Mary. They right. do not right. uh, worship statues. Mm-hmm. Explain it, please. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's an, an incredible point um, to, to bring up is th- just the fact that we don't worship her. Um, she's never claimed to be a goddess and never even requested to be worshipped, which is one of the reasons why we know um, that, that we need to continue to go to her. Because if you look at what she does, she's always just taking us to her son. Um, like any good mother, she knows she more than anyone. She knows what it costs her son to gain our salvation, and she doesn't want to see that wasted. So she's always directing us to her to her son mm-hmm. um but yes we have a certain respect for her i mean it, it makes sense it, christ is going to respect his own mother and you know i'm often encouraging people um that if you struggle with this you know and you have a personal relationship with christ why don't you ask him how he wants you to treat his mother um because nobody can love his mother more than he can um and we can't love her more than he can because of course we don't have that capacity to love the way that god does um so yes we venerate her and and we we do see her as a model and you know this is one of the ironic things about the movement that we're seeing with women today is that women under you know we understand this intrinsic idea that that we are equal in dignity to men that didn't come from other world religions it came only through christianity of course Christ treats women differently in scripture, but and it starts there. But Our Lady's really the one in this devotion to her that really brought that to the full flourishing where we can un- see that women have this equal dignity. So it's it's ironic that you know we're claiming this idea and yet we don't even realize where it comes from. Of course mm-hmm. it comes from that devotion to her. Okay, from the very and you, beginning. And you had said something when we were talking on the phone before you said when by cutting Mary out 
And this includes, mm-hmm. I mean, because I've had conversations with, you know, Protestant ministers and all, and they'll very much, mm-hmm. I mean, some very much downplay, you know, Mary's just a container. She, I mean, Jesus had to come into the world right. somehow, some way, and very, right. very downplayed as if she's very insignificant. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mm-hmm. point you made is that by cutting Mary out, it's left us wide open for radical mm-hmm. feminism. Uh, let's explore right. that, Kit Carrie, a little sure. bit. Yeah, no, it's it's really quite fascinating when you look back to what happened in the Reformation when Our Lady is, not only is Our Lady kind of dismissed as any sort of important model for femininity, but so are re- religious women, so are the convents. Those are all dismissed as, as unimportant. And so those, and that is obviously a spiritual model for the type of women that we're all called to be. We're all called to be spiritually fruitful. And that is is the model. So when you take those two pieces out, those two very clear avenues that women have to understand how they can be in relationship with God, all that's left then is is really nothing. There, there's all that's left is just this idea that that men are the pastors and they are the avenues through which we can gain our salvation. But there's no female complement. There's no understanding of the role of women in all of this. And so it automatically sets up this misogynistic balance because women don't have a place anymore. They don't understand their roles as beloved daughters of God the Father. And all of these these pieces get tossed aside. And so, of course, there's going to be this kind of resentment when you no longer give it, give women the avenue through which they need to understand their relationship with God the Father and you know all, all the people of the, all the persons of the Trinity. Um, and I think that that's really where we see you know even a lot of it, of rejection of Christianity. It comes very much because of the way it's been presented in, in Protestantism as one dimensional. So you know if we hear people talking about the the authority and the headship of Christ and men as the family, we kind of have this knee-jerk reaction because we don't understand that piece that women have to play in all of that. We don't have a, um, we don't have the mental categories to be able to figure out how that looks and how we our role is in it. And you know, automatically we sort of see ourselves as as slaves or chattel. And of course, that's exactly the thing that Christ came to free us from was that kind of relationship to men. He, he freed us from being slaves and chattel and um, polygamous marriage, all of those kinds of things were not part of his plan. And so you can see how this these kind of creep back in when you do leave out who Our Lady is and that important element that women need to understand their own spirituality and, and relationship to God. Mm-hmm. And then that all lends itself Maybe you just said that as well. That that is essential role of women um, to mm-hmm. um, to yeah. bear fruit, and the fruit being yes. children. I mean, how God mm-hmm. blessed us with the ability to bring new mm-hmm. life into the world, and that's been just mm-hmm. discounted and degraded as puh, it's just a choice. It's, it's no big deal. It's like I just want right. to shake women and say, don't you see how <laughs> you've been so. Um, um, designed in such a magnificent way mm-hmm. that our gift of motherhood—it's so special. Mm-hmm. It's so special. Let, let's mm-hmm. let's keep walking that issue out about motherhood and grinding mm-hmm. motherhood down. And who were some of the main people behind this, Carrie? To to uh, particularly in sure. the last say fifty years, and then we'll go back farther to the occult mm-hmm. and all this. But over the last fifty years, how did right. this get ground down to just? Just, just just simply a choice. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. No, that's a, the big question. And that's what I deal with in several chapters in my book. But uh, fundamentally, what women were led to believe was that as women, they there wasn't anything important that they did. The only um, the importance was really in the male world. And so there was a striving to sort of do what men did. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't virtuous men. It was, you know, the man who's having, you know, the three martini lunch and he's having affairs and, you know, these kinds of things that were, were mm-hmm. made to look attractive. And so the fundamental lie in that, of course, was that, first of all, um, you know, that men were the enemy, um, even though women were striving to be just like them um, in, a, in a vicious way. But the other lie of that, of course, is that our, our children are an impediment to our success. And this is just, you know, the last... 50 years, we've been hearing these exact same arguments. In fact, even looking at some of the the rhetoric that Hollywood is using against things like the heartbeat bill in Georgia and other pro-life legislation, they're using the exact same language from the night as their grandmothers and great-grandmothers did. They're talking about the patriarchy. Um, they're talking about, you know, their, their freedoms. And none of it has changed because they haven't had to change it because we haven't put up enough of a fight right. to basically say that's ridiculous. You know, we're just still buying into this idea of the patriarchy. Even, you know, a few weeks ago, Serena Williams was blaming the patriarchy for her bad behavior on the tennis court. So it's just this natural default position, and we all sort of roll over and think, oh, yeah, it's the patriarchy. But this was not, you know, this all started from women like Kate Millett, who was called the high priestess of the feminist movement. She was featured on Time magazine. Uh, She wrote this book called Sexual Politics, which is sort of the, the, you know, baseline book that every woman studies program studies and um, highly instrumental in terms of, of promoting feminist thought. Um, but all of this was really kind of a mixture of Marxism, and um, we can talk about that aspect of it. Um, but this fundamental idea that we could change human nature, that women weren't, children were not important to the life of women, um, and that we needed to free women so that they could, could work, basically. Um, and we see this in, in Soviet Russia, you know, 40, 50 years prior, um, and it, it just played, or I guess it's only 30 years prior, but it just plays itself out um, in the Western culture in a in very dramatic way. And then, of course, you add this occult piece that we can we can talk about more mm-hmm. on top of that. And it's just this deadly cocktail that we're still living with where, you know, women have this sense very clearly today that our husbands are, our men are our enemy, the family's the enemy, our children are our enemy. These are all going to be major impediments Um to our own existence and we don't even I, I think it's fascinating too because we've because we don't have these categories to think about what women really are um we've almost been led back into this sort of neo-paganism because um you know that's what happens whenever the church is is weak and right. judaism are weak mm-hmm. is paganism sort of creeps back in and that's exactly what we're we're seeing is um you know this hubris of thinking we're doing brand new things and, and yet if you look historically some of these ideas are not brand new at all um, they're just kind of recycled from from earlier pagan days. Well, I, I think by lifting up Our Lady um, and helping everybody, men, women, atheists, as well as believers, understand the mighty role she's played in history, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. past and, and, and what she's going to do in the future, um, I, I think this is a huge stepping stone for the um 
for the demise of radical feminism. Because I just think somebody can only take so much, Carrie. And and you and I both know that a lot of the women who aborted their babies 30 years ago, and now they're whatever, 60-some years old, Mm -hmm. they cry themselves Mm -hmm. to sleep. They have nobody. They have no family. They might have money, but mm -hmm. but that's it. Right. No, and I I think that's the incredible thing is just how there has been – very little resistance to this. Uh, even if you look at what we've, we're dealing with now culturally, I, I now call this group of elite women the matriarchy because they control so much of our culture, everything from Hollywood, politics, fashion, music industry, book publishing, magazines. All of this is controlled by the same message that you know we must have abortion on demand without any kind of restrictions. And yet there, there's no, there's, there are very few places that women who are in that situation, who are crying themselves to sleep, who are just absolutely miserable because they've been completely isolated, they don't have families, um, they, to find the truth, to find something that really recognizes their sorrow and their grief right. and helps them to understand, you know, this isn't, wasn't God's will for them. This is, you know, because of course, Satan also wants to just twist the knife and say, this is your fault. You did this, you know, and make yep. them feel even worse. Um, rather than the God of mercy that says, I love you and I want to be reconciled with you and I want to bring you healing and I want to bring you communion and people to love and, and, you know, to, to be, um, grow with. And, um, so I, I think that's the, the saddest piece of it is that we haven't done an, a, any kind of a job to end this and help women see that there's an alternative way to think than what we're getting from the you know, mainstream media. Well, I, I want to make a prediction that the year is 2020 when this information will go far and wide. You know, the truth behind mm-hmm. radical feminism, as long mm-hmm. as believers are willing to stand up and confidently mm-hmm. declare, you know, Christ's love and mercy, people can find healing. And one of the best ways to even find out the amount of love that Jesus has is to find out about his mother because nobody could love Mm -hmm. Jesus at least my opinion any more than his mother so um Mm -hmm. all right so what 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 we're going to do is we're going to come right back and we're going to delve a little bit deeper into Marxism but before we cut uh, I want everybody to go to Amazon and purchase Carrie Gress's book it is called The Anti-Mary Exposed. She also has it out on uh, Audible. If you're not into reading, but you're willing to listen, you need to get this book. It's Rescuing the Culture from Toxic Femini- Femininity. And the main title is The Anti-Mary Exposed. We will be right back. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. To unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. We are the vision of the voices. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're back with Carrie Grass, Dr. Carrie Grass, and we're talking about uh, her book called The Anti-Mary Exposed. 
And I'm reading from, it was an article you had written, and it says, while, while these sound innocuous enough to us, what they reveal is the goal of power and of strength. What we're referring to is how uh, women are told to be badasses, how they're told to be tough, how they're told to have lots of power. And what is this manifested into? Well, it's a a quick look at popular feminist books include titles such as Nasty Women, Full Frontal Feminism, Witches, Sluts, and Feminists, Bad Girls Throughout History, Bad Feminists, and Feminist Fight Club. It's all so degrading, mm-hmm. Carrie. It's like, it's like, I bet you were depressed after you finished your two years of research before you started writing. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, does oh. it get much worse than this one? Yet, femininity, mm-hmm. it comes innately with strength. I mean, when you think about Our right. Lady and how she could have said, no, you know, I'm, I'm not bringing any Jesus into the world, Emmanuel into the world. Um, but no, she she received that. She received that blessing. And from that, I mean, this is just my take on from that, she's been able to help people all around the world mm-hmm. discover who mm-hmm. her son yeah. was and is which then leads them to salvation and healing, healing here on earth mm-hmm. and then salvation mm-hmm. long-term. So uh, what's, mm-hmm. so in terms of talking about Marxism, which is a big root of this plus the occult, walk us through some of the fundamental planks of Marxism and mm-hmm. how did that feed into radical mm-hmm. feminism? Why was Marxism right. so important? Um, well, first, I just want to go back to just the points that you were making about Our Lady and this, this b- balance between... Um, power versus fruitfulness because you hit the nail on the head where you were talking about how she was receptive to to god and receptive to his will um that there's this this natural kind of receiving and um you know i i spent a lot of time looking at mythology and it was fascinating to see how women were perceived and have been perceived throughout history um and again this is one of the ideas that was really dropped off in the 1960s that women didn't know about and so they again thought that they were kind of developing something new but um women were really understood as containers not not just you know to hold things but to transform things so um you have them compared to ovens you have them compare compared to ships this is why ships are always named she they're compared to with cities um even the ocean you know these very powerful images um that can either be incredibly destructive or they can be incredibly life-giving and um, so this is one of the, the main things that I think we've just completely lost sight of is the fact that we have this capacity to be, be fruitful. And in that fruitfulness, that's really where, you know, if we're, if we're striving for power, we're not going to gain power. It's the same thing with beauty. If we're striving for beauty, these are kind of fundamental desires of the female heart. But when we strive for them and grasp at them, that's when we miss them. Um, we can't acquire them. But if we're striving towards fruitfulness and we're striving towards God's will, then those things are added to us. And we see this in spades with Our Lady. This is why she's powerful, not because she was desirous of being powerful, but because that's what comes when we are following God's will, because we are he's, His grace then manifests itself through us in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's an important piece to just for us to understand that this these categories of what it means to be a woman and how to sort of start thinking about this in a fresh way. Um, but Marxism comes along and basically it's 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 you know in 1917 actually our lady predicted that the lies of soviet russia would spread to the world if we didn't pray for the conversion of russia and 
you know, most of us think of it in terms of economics, just the destruction that the, the economic system of Marxism brought to Russia. But I think it was more fundamental than that. I think what the Soviets pushed on the Russian people was this idea that human nature can in fact be changed and manipulated into whatever we want it to be. Um, and you can see this with, you know, automatically families are broken up, women are going back to work, abortion on demand is available, you know, people can't own private property, but they can get an abortion any day of the week. And, you know, you hear these egregious stories about when women having had 70, 80 abortions in their lifetimes um, because they were just so focused on being these new workers um, and and living this new life that wasn't attached to this idea of fruitfulness at all. Um, and so, again, you see this play out with radical feminism where, you know, at least in the Soviet Russia, the, the Russian people knew this was an outside ideology sort of being put pushed upon them but this the the saddest part about our situation is we haven't we don't feel like this was some sort of outside idea that was pushed upon us we've taken this on as women and as a culture you know wholeheartedly and believe this very very deeply that this is really what we're meant to do is to no longer be fruitful and no longer have children and no longer be able to transform people with the the love that we have the innate capacity to offer them um, and to gift them with and to help cult cultivate them um, into a healthy and ordered society. So all of those pieces have been lost. And we do see ourselves almost as, you know, we don't talk about it in terms of Russian language or, or newspeak, but um, we do very much have this culture of, uh, you know, our career is first and we work is first. And, you know, maybe if I have time, I'll have a baby or one or two, but it's not, it's not at all a priority anymore. And so we've seen this, you know, mass destruction of the family. And that's really what the Soviet system was doing was destroying the family. And, you know, we've just done the same thing without realizing um, where the idea is coming from. Well, and I, and I commend the, the Catholic Church unwavering for whatever, mm -hmm. 2000 years near about to in, in mm -hmm. uplifting family, um, dignity of human mm -hmm. life, women. I mean, women. I mean, we, it's yeah. so wild because the Catholic Church gets criticized for being all oh, the patriarchy. The patri It's like, Constantly. hello. Right. It's like, no. Right. It's like right. the, you can't find mm -hmm. a, a church that lifts up the role of women better than the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. and, you know, do we do a good job right. articulating it? Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. but yeah. uh, God has right. a plan. <laughs> Let's mm -hmm. see. Well, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, is part of, of the message. I mean, I, I look at, the, you know, I speak to women all the time. There's no happier woman. And, you know, science is, is bearing this out with study after study. There's no happier woman than the, a Catholic woman who's living her faith, who's not contracepting, who's open to life, who has, you know, because what it does is it changes the whole dynamic of the family. Um, the husband has to become better. The wife has to become better. All of these kinds of virtues are, are infused through us through the sacrifices that we make for our family and the kind of sacrificial love that's required when we are not when when we are open to life and um well, let, well so just I'm, for the it, benefit it me. i'm so sorry just for the benefit of our listeners right now because i think some people have no clue what you're talking about carrie right now what does that mean <laughs> sure. so, so, what does that mean if, if you're open to life and sacrificial love and the gift of self right. and walk people through it because this is foreign we live in a in a post pill society they don't know what you're talking right. about 
So explain right. that. Yeah. What does that no, mean for I, a husband and wife to be open the, to life? The basic and... idea, right? The basic idea is, be, you know, prior to the pill, um, marriage and and sexuality were always united. There was a sense of sexuality always was related to to children, and of course, when you separate that out with a pill, you end up seeing how there's fractures and fissures in the marriage. Because the couple is no longer focused or even has in their mind this idea that children are a possibility. And, of course, we all know that if children do show up, it's an accident and it has to be taken care of and that kind of thing. But when a couple is is open to life, there's so many more things that have to happen where they have to work as a team. They have to be united in their recognition that the child is more important than they are, that they are, are gifting themselves and making sacrifices for this child and for their family. and that they're incredible fruits um, in terms, you know, we, we become better people when we become parents because we, we have to automatically become less vis- vicious. Um, we have to start thinking about somebody else and put somebody else be, before us in our own, own minds. I've actually written a book called um, Ultimate Makeover, The Transforming Power of Motherhood. And it was from my own experience of just recognizing, you know, motherhood is incredibly hard. But part of the reason it's hard is because it's supposed to be, because this is where we women gain the virtues that make them these beautiful women that have wisdom and guidance and can can help us, you know, sort of that that iconic image of what a grandmother used to be. Um, They're a lot harder to find now, these these wise women, because of the fact that we've shirked this responsibility and we haven't made ourselves open to to being transformed through that kind of sacrificial love. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing, too, that it's important for listeners, because, again, we live in such a post-pill culture where, you know, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, wanted everybody just to think that they are, you know, animals and they cannot control their sex Mm -hmm. instinct and all that. But that's not the Catholic view of sexuality for a married couple. Can you just explain that and then we'll we'll move on from there? Sure. Yeah, well, and I think that's another piece that, that gets confused. I know this is part of the, the excitement of The Handmaid's Tale is just this idea that, you know, women just become these breeders of sorts. Um, and, of course, that's that's not the what the church has taught. Uh, at all. You know, you're not required to have as many children as you possibly can. Um, and this is the beauty of NFP, which of course is not, um, you know, your your mother or your grandmother's NFP. It's become actually very sophisticated and very accurate um, in terms of the different methods that are available to us. Um, but it, it it is this, um, the idea that we are, are, can be open to life. And if there are situations where, you know, we're in, we have grave, it's called grave matter, where there are concerns about or health, or um, major financial issues, or these kinds of things, um, you know, then we, it is appropriate to use NFP for the benefit of the whole family. And I, I think that that's um, another piece that's really been distorted. It's not just Catholic contraception, but in fact, it's a way that we're working with the natural rhythm of a woman's body, rather than rejecting it outright. Um, and, we're, we're recognizing the cycle and all of those kinds of things in a, in a human and healthy way. That honors her instead of, you know, makes her the handmaid. Exactly. And NFP being natural family planning. And it works, you know, Mm -hmm. because God made our bodies so that we know when we're fertile. And we pretty much know. And the irony of all all of it, it's only a few days during the month. But all this has been Mm -hmm. lost. Teenagers today, they're not being taught this. They don't understand the Mm -hmm. science. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're getting put on the birth control pill. Uh, which is all part of that formula right. for radical feminism. 
we have to get the information out. I mean, you're doing such a fantastic job with yeah. the book. I mean, helping people understand where we were, where we came from, and what needs what needs to be fixed going forward. Now, let, let, I don't want to lose time because I want to talk about what do you mean by the occult with this mm-hmm. anti-marriage, the occult. Walk us through sure. that. Yeah, well, this is, again, one of those pieces that I mentioned earlier um, was just this idea that whenever Christianity is weak, the paganism, you know, it's like the jungle. It's just going to find its way way back in because we kind of naturally gravitate to it because as humans, we want to feel like we're sort of in, we're in control of something. Um, and rather than, and this is, of course, the, the difficulty with Christianity is we're required to really surrender ourselves and to trust God and know that he's a loving God and loves us and wills what is good for us. Um, but when you don't have that understanding in your head of the love that God has for each of us as individuals, then what happens is people feel like they have to, to have control over something. And this is where we end up seeing, you know, goddess worship and Wicca. We now we're living in an age where there are pe- more people following Wicca than there are Presbyterians. Um, so th- this is going to just naturally rise up. And it's not it's just our culture. If you look you know, around the world at all of history, this this paganism as a kind of jungle creeping in um, is just there. I think it's a, you know one of those human nature elements. Um, so we see it very dramatically though in um, the, the the women's movement, where um, you've got someone. I, I ended up finding all this information out about this demon named Lilith. Um, that I, you know I'd heard the name before. Lilith Fair is is talked about. It was a um, concert for women art, female artists that Sarah McLaughlin put on for several years. Um, there was a Lilith fund set up for women after Hurricane Harvey so that they could get abortions after that mm. um, situation happened. And so I kept wondering, you know, why, are this, why is this name coming up over and over again? So I started looking into who Lilith was. And um, she's uh, her story predates even our own scripture. She's mentioned in the book of Isaiah, but her story goes back before that. And Basically, she's this. She's called this night terror, um, who you know her whole focus is to seduce men and to kill children. And um, you know it's it's fascinating if you look at really what radical feminism has done. Well, it, initially it was a seduction of men and it, the mm-hmm. killing of children. Um, so you can sort of see this this pattern playing itself out. Um, I know that um, there's also Jezebel spirits. You know all of these kinds of things that have. Um, been on the rise that that women have been engaging and even um, this idea of goddess worship um, it was fascinating to me because I, I had a grandmother who was very involved in goddess worship and I didn't realize how much until until I was reading you know doing research for this book and I <laughs> noticed that yep I've read that book and I've read that book and I've read that really? book really wow um, Oh. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was an interesting time when through my own life where I was, you know, studying Zen Buddhism and working in goddess worship books and um, living the, you know, regular culture. Uh, but I was still going to mass and really trying, grappling with that and trying to understand all of those pieces. But so it was very much in my own life, all of these elements. Um, and so it was, it was fascinating to see just how much the women's movement has, has usurped these ideas because mm-hmm. what happens is they, they want this idea of women being fallible. And we can see this in the, you know, sort of believe all women, that women are held on a pedestal and are, are uh, it's believed that 
they have these kinds of virtues and these kinds of gifts that, you know, once you identify this goddess within you, then you're sort of infallible. Um, and, and we can see this playing out on a larger scale with um, the fact that we, we really have put women on a pedestal. And um, it's pretty amazing, too, just even how hard it is to make criticisms of women. And yet we're the ones that have, have changed. And um, men certainly can't do it. They, they know it's like stepping on a rake if you're going right. to criticize a woman. And um, those of us who do um, are, you know, we're considered not women or problematic women or, you know, certainly turned off. Um, you know, they don't want anyone to hear us um, speak because we're not part of the matriarch and we're not part of that message um, that they're putting out there. So there's very much these these threads and strands of um, the demonic and demonic worship um, that are playing themselves out in in that movement, and it's because they've had to reject everything that Christianity offers. Um, that it's it's just this natural gravitation and grasping at something that that makes them feel like they're in control. Well, you have summed that up quite well, and, uh, and uh, <laughs> this is why I want everyone to get your book. Go to Amazon. If you don't like to read, listen to Carrie's book. You want to get uh, The Anti-Mary Exposed by Carrie Grass, G-R-E-S-S, uh, from Amazon. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about, I think, it's the most beautiful building in America dedicated to the strongest, the best woman of the world, Mary. And it's the, uh, the shrine of the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., which was right down the road from the university where you got your Ph.D., the Catholic University of America. <laughs> this is a gem of a place that everybody should go to, only, though, after you've read Carrie's book, The Anti-Mary Exposed. <laughs> All right, we will be right back. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. so excited to talk to you, Carrie, in this segment because we're going to be talking about the beautiful Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., and how that amazing Basilica uh, reflects the attributes of Our Lady. And it, so when mm-hmm. I think of how, and there's, I don't believe there could be any feminist out there who could go with an open heart, open mind into the Basilica in Washington, D.C., it's a stunning, stunning, most beautiful building. And um, with so much artwork, so many stories to learn about you know, her apparitions from all around the world, I don't believe a feminist could walk out of there thinking 
that the Catholic Church grinds women down, that it doesn't lift up women. It's like, mm. no, it's impossible. It's incongruous. Mm-hmm. So could you mm-hmm. share, because I know you spent mm-hmm. a number of years right there at Catholic U, um, so close to the Basilica, right. your thoughts about what mm-hmm. that beautiful um, uh, shrine um, represents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things about the shrine that's so remarkable is there's all these side chapels in the in the church that represent different apparitions from throughout history and from around the world. Um, so it's amazing. You can see Our Lady depicted as as an Asian woman. You can see her as dark skinned. Uh, you know, there's all these different representations of Our Lady who has appeared um, throughout history and and in a, you know very pivotal kinds of ways. One of my favorite chapels. Um, I have two, but one of them is is Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, and I think this is such a strong image because of the fact that, you know, our lady knows her audience and she, you know, she's represented in that image. Certainly she was speaking both to Spaniards who were um, in, in Mexico, the Mexico area, what's now Mexico City area. And she was also speaking to the natives who at that point were having, were the Franciscans were trying to convert them, but there was so much resistance because of the fact that their relationships and, and families were set up um, in polygamous situations and they didn't want to change their family um, dynamics at all. And also, you know, of course, there was that inconvenient problem of human sacrifice that was going on simultaneously. Um, but Our Lady in that image is fascinating because the Spaniards already had this experience of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's a an image um, that's very storied. I talk about it in, in the Marian option at great length of Our Lady of Guadalupe that was in Spain. Long be discovered long before Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mexico. So they see her, the Spaniards see her and are inspired and know who she is already. Well, the natives look at this image and because they didn't have a written language, they had a symbolic language, they can read almost immediately who this woman is. She's got her head bowed, um, which means that or she's not a goddess. She's got her hair down, um, which means that she's a virgin. She's got um, a black bow around her waist, which signifies that she's pregnant. And then on the belly, there's this image, um, a, a symbol that means divinity. So they know that she's carrying God. So, you know, almost simultaneously, the natives can pick up she's a virgin mother of God, um, who's not to be worshipped as a goddess, but is, you know, is the mother of God. Um, so it's pretty amazing to see just this layer of detail that's there in that image that was, you know, gifted to us um, through these roses that Our Lady put in um, Juan Diego's tilma, and that when he dropped the roses, there was that image. Um so it's these kinds of stories that are just so rich and throughout that basilica. I mean, Our Lady of Chestahova is another favorite of mine. And of course, there's so many amazing stories about her intercession in Poland and um, what she's done for Eastern Europe and, and all of that. So um, I think I think you're right. It is if people come to understand the richness and depth of these stories, um, you're, you're absolutely right that there isn't a way that you can think that somehow you know, the church is trying to oppress women. It's. I think it's just a fair assessment to say you cannot walk in there and walk back out the same person if you've never been in that mm-hmm. building before. But yeah, I mean, go in with an open heart, an open mind. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about mm-hmm. some of these attributes of Our Lady, mm-hmm. uh, which is right. the much of the solution to re-recognize, to become aware of what these attributes mm-hmm. are as part of the solution to toxic femininity. What are they? Right. 
Yeah, no, and this was a real challenge in my book because I didn't want the book to just be, you know, the depressing details of the culture. I mean, we think we live those daily. We don't need to just dwell only on that. Um, but I, I wanted the second half to really be heartening and hopeful. And so I, I looked at Our Lady, but it's hard to speak of her sometimes without people thinking of her in just saccharine terms that she's, you know, pious and meek and um, all of these things, partially because we don't understand these virtues and the, the, the power behind them, um, that they are, you know, it's like the, the, the virtue of patience or fortitude. We can't do anything without them. Um, we just end up sort of staying children and spiritually spiritual infants um, without gaining in virtue. Um, so I, but I wanted to also sort of make her real for people, and part of that was to sort of look at what are the the fundamental desires of every female heart. And I think that there are three. Um, there's probably more, but I focused on three. And one of them is just really the recognition that we long to be known and loved. And, um, it, you know, all of these three, I think Our Lady just exemplifies in, in spades. And part of it is because she's so pure, um, because she is sinless, that she knows God's love. Um, so we can see this, that she's she acts in such a way with complete trust. She has this, she gives this great yes um, to God when the angel appears to her and asks her to be the mother of God. And, you know, she does it unreservedly. And I, I think that's the beauty of what happens when we know when we know that we're loved, um, because she knows that God the Father loves her and wills the good for her. Um, and that's one piece that we've we've completely lost as women and why I think there's this intense pull to feel like we have to be these independent women, that we don't need husbands, we don't need God, we don't need a family, um, because we can do it all by ourselves. Um, and yet that's not really where our happiness lies and where our holiness lies. So that's is one of the reasons why I think she's such a great model for that. And and what happens when we say yes to God, what, what we open ourselves up to. And we can see this in the lives of female saints. These women, you know, someone like St. Catherine of Siena or St. Hildegard of Bingham or St. Helen, they did amazing, miraculous things. It wasn't because they were trying to be powerful and control others. It was because they had the grace of God working through them because they were open to that grace. And that's, again, where that, that idea of um, our fruitfulness comes from. It's not just in a, in a biological way, but also in a spiritual way. So they were living out this great spiritual fruit in, in the lives of the world. Um, so Our Lady offers that first and foremost, is just this understanding that we we are meant to be loved as God's daughters. Um, the second one, of course, every every woman desires to do good. And this was one of the fascinating things about looking at all of these radical feminists, because even when they're doing things, you know, there are all kinds of things that are just mayhem. Um, you know, they're taking women to get illegal abortions. Um, there's all this focus on lesbianism. They still think that they're doing something objectively good um, in that. And that's really the confusion. They have this desire to do good. They just don't understand that what they're doing isn't, in fact, helping people. Um, but women have this desire to help others. And you can, we can see this in spades and, you know, social justice warriors. Right. Um, it just gets, again, deformed. And this is where Our Lady is obviously an example of she knows what the good is because of the fact that she's informed by God's will and God's God's grace. Mm -hmm. And then I think that the third thing, of course, is just beauty. Um, you know, this is billion-dollar industry. The women have this incredible desire to be beautiful, but it's not just to allure or attract men. There's something much deeper about it. And and even looking at Our Lady, the the apparitions 
you know, every time I would read about someone seeing Our Lady at a different point in history, they all to a one said she was the most beautiful woman I ever saw in my life. Mm-hmm. And St. Bernadette even said that she, when she saw her at Lourdes, um, she said she was so beautiful you would want to die just so that you could see her again. Mm-hmm. Um, so Our Lady's beauty is a recognition and it's an, a reflection of the beauty of God. Um, and that's what women are meant to, to offer others is we're meant to be a bridge to heaven. Um, we, we know that we can be the opposite. We know we can we can bring people to hell just as um, probably more easily. Right. Um, we're seeing that right now very, very easily. Where we went, When we manipulate our gifts and we manipulate others, that's when we really take them down the wrong path. But uh, again, this desire that we have to be beautiful isn't just for our own sakes or for those around us. Um, in a in a shallow way, but in fact is meant to lift others up and to offer them a, a, a vision of what heaven is like, just uh, sort of a foretaste of it. And um, I think that's something that we have obviously lost any understanding of is really what women's beauty is about. Instead, we've kind of reduced it to vanity or sensuality um, and, and distorted it so dramatically. And yet she offers us an understanding of what it's really for. It's really meant to help get others to heaven. And Fulton Sheen has this great quote about how, you know, women are the measure of the culture. If you are, men always need some someone to look up to and to lift them up to, and women have that capacity. Um, we've just forgotten that we have it. And so as a result, we're all sort of a mess. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to imitate men and men are just confused about how they're supposed to respond to that. So it's very confusing anyway. for them. It, it, I remember I was in uh, yeah. Phoenix, Arizona recently and in, in riding with an Uber driver and, and he, I don't even know how the topic came up. Maybe he asked why I was out there, but next thing I knew we were talking about radical feminism and he said, yeah, he mm. said the other day I was at a Seven Eleven. I just held the door for a woman who was getting ready to come in and she looked at him in that nasty kind of way and just said, well, mm. I hope you don't expect to get paid for that and pranced right mm. on in. And, uh, and I said, well, what do you make of that? And he said, we as men, we don't even know how to respond to women anymore. So I'm just yeah. I'm mirroring what you just said. Yeah. I want to go back yeah. to one other thing about these three attributes about no, being known and loved, to do good, mm-hmm. and then uh, beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, reflecting um, mm-hmm. the beauty of God. Or uh, rather, she's ref- uh, she is reflecting God. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Let's see. I was talking with someone who um, she was sharing how she and her daughter were working a pro-life booth at a, on a college campus, and two uh, college age, probably around twenty. Uh, young ladies walked up and they were just blasting them and how abortion needs to be legal mm-hmm. and da 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 da, and mm-hmm. the the it was the, a mother and her daughter who were sharing the pro life message. The daughter just couldn't handle all of the backlash, and the mother walked on over and and she was able to share the love of Christ. Uh, and what what mm-hmm. I mean by that is she shared with the young ladies that they are loved. They're loved by the God mm-hmm. of the universe. And she just bathed them and kind of immersed them in, in, in Christ's love. Both of the girls, the young ladies, were weeping. She said, Terry, they had tears mm-hmm. just flowing down their face. It was as mm-hmm. if nobody had ever told them 
that they are loved, right. they are special, yeah. they're unique, mm-hmm. and that they should mm-hmm. cherish it. And one of the one of the many things is being able to bring life into the world. So I just thought if we can evangelize better, evangelize more yeah. often, evangelize with mm-hmm. courage and boldness as long as love is our mm-hmm. banner. We will crush the lies of Satan, which have so ground mm. this country down. What do you think? Right. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that was my my, my main point about the matriarchy is they've just sucked all the air out of the room so that this is the only message that young girls get. I, I know even in Unplanned, it was just a per- that movie. It was a perfect example of the, the trap that women are in. You know, this is a woman, Abby Johnson, yeah. her husband's completely against her work. Her parents are against her work. You know, the people that are closest to her hate her job. And yet she felt completely empowered and emboldened by the other women that she worked with and, you know, the the, the kind of kudos she was getting from the culture. Um, so this is a, I think you're absolutely right that we have to remind people um, because we are so broken and we're so hungry for this message that we are loved by God, but we've never heard it. Um, so you're absolutely right. And, and I think as far as men um, go, I, you know, I was very... Um, tender to, to men in this book, and I think it's. I know a lot of men who've gotten a lot out of it. Um, you know, one, I, a couple of people have blasted me and said, "Well, why aren't you putting any blame on men in this?" And I think, you know, we've been blaming men for the last fifty years That's for just right. about everything. I think That's we can right. look at our own sins and weaknesses and and yep. be critical of them without having to, you know, blast them any further. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're 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 right that this is a message that people aren't hearing, and we have to pay attention too that what feminism has targeted it's motherhood and virginity and what is mary called she's called the virgin mother i mean these are the primary attributes of who she is that are being targeted in our own culture and again it's because satan knows women are the soil of a culture Uh, and if he gets the soil you know like a good farmer every farmer knows that if you have bad soil to start with you're not going to have a good crop he knows that if he gets women, he gets everybody. And um, this is exactly what we have seen. Is, is It's just impossible to hold a family together without that that root mm. of a good woman and, and mother who understands what it means to cultivate her children, to raise them well, mm-hmm. to love them well, um, and to give them that place where they know that they're that they're loved um, and can can go out into the world from there. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's we we need we do need to do a better job of getting the, this message out to right. people. Um, what's some of the other feedback you've gotten uh, you've received on your book? So some of the positive things. You know, it, it, <laughs> sure. You know, I I've been loving reading the the reviews that are on Amazon. There's about fifty seven of them I think right now, and um, you know you've got these extremes, but. Um, People just seem to really love the book and feel like it's almost an aha moment where they're like, yes, this makes sense. I finally, right. uh, you know, there are pieces that I was missing. I understood this on a basic level, but you've just really been able to put into words what we've been struggling with and and help me make sense of it um, in a dramatic way. And then, of course, there's, you know, the people that hate it with the one star and, you know, they use all kinds of references to superstition. And, um, you know, it, it's it's really clear, you know, 
who the who's who's writing the review. Um, but no, it's the, the by and large the um, the response has been really amazing, and it's it's been fun to see. I know I, I recently heard about a woman who had been a lesbian and she she left the lifestyle after reading my book because she just really? realized how much she was being manipulated by it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's no, it's, huge. There's been a lot of powerful stories. Yeah, yeah really Carrie, amazing. that's, I mean, the oh. only thing that could top that would be somebody saying, I chose not to have an abortion after reading your book. Yeah. You know, a life was saved. Right. But in essence, you right. that book did yeah. save that lady's life. Did she come back to the Lord? Awesome. Okay. You know, I don't I don't know any more of the details. I know I just know wow. that it was really I think she was already headed that direction. She was really struggling yeah. with it and this just pushed pushed her over the edge and yeah. uh, you know, I think it could be certainly a follow-up to this book to just see how much of the LGTB movement comes out of radical feminism. It's just right. the, it's, it could even be called the fourth wave of feminism because it's the exact same ideology and I think that that's a piece that we haven't put together well enough yet um and and yet it's there so it's it is really affirming to hear that people are are you know being blessed by it in different ways that's fantastic well i want to encourage everybody listening again to get carrie's book go on to amazon you can also buy it directly from tan publishers Uh, but if you want that audio book from audibles you need to go to amazon and look for the um the oh the anti-mary exposed the anti-mary exposed and uh, Carrie, about thirty seconds left. What what else can you encourage people about that book? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is just just to be aware of the way that women are have been manipulating us in the, in the culture at this point, and to just for us to understand that we have an alternative to this. That this is not the way that women are meant to be. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to be angry and raging. And we're certainly not meant to be living in conflict with men and our own children. And to really expose that lie in our in our lives and um, to walk in the freedom of the, the good things that Christ and his church really want to offer us. I think that's the, the takeaway piece is um, that freedom and that goodness and that joy that we all crave, we have the capacity to, to get. Fantastic. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for being on the show today.